Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the sixth chapter of Matthew, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying about a single hour, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jan, for our scripture lesson this morning and uh, for helping us with that. Um, Some of you who got here after we made the announcement this morning are saying, what the heck is going on with the screen, right? (laughs) Well, just to let you know, yesterday afternoon we have a new projector that was put in, uh, and it's a much better projector, and the images are great, but it is a laser projector that is so powerful that the relay between our computer and that can't handle the signal very well. And so uh, the the guy was here this morning, and... uh, He's got the order going out this week, and by next Sunday, we'll have it fixed. So we're ready to go. <clears throat> but anyway, appreciate uh, <laughs> your awareness. I just want to get that out of the way because some of you are like, what the heck is going on? That's what's happening. Let's go to God in prayer as we uh, ask for God's blessings upon us this morning. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together as your people and to worship you. And I just thank you, God, for the praises that have been enabled by the worship band and by the voices that have been lifted up here today. And we truly feel your spirit in this place. Now, God, we ask you to bless us. We've heard the reading of this word, that it impacts and teaches us your will. Open our hearts and our minds to your Holy Spirit that uh, leads us, convicts us, speaks to us in those areas of our soul that we need to be spoken to today. God, we offer this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question this morning. We're... What is it that you worry about? What are the things that cause you to stress out, things that cause, bring anxiety into your life on a daily basis? Well, in the Bible, the word for worry literally is translated as choking. <laughs> and that's often what it feels like. That's a pretty good description of what it feels like when uh, we worry about things, isn't it? We just feel like we're, we're choking. The truth is all of us worry at times. Even the, even the eternal optimist uh, find themselves worrying about things, and that just seems a part of our human nature. Perhaps you've heard these statistics. Forty percent of the things that we worry about never happen. Forty percent of the things we worry about never happen. 
30% of the things we worry about are things that happened in the past, and there's really nothing we can do about them by worrying about them. 12% of the things we worry about are criticisms of others that are mostly untrue. And 10% of things we worry about deal with our health. And we're told that can actually make it worse (laughs) by worrying about it. And so that leaves only 8% of the things that we worry about are actual real problems that we might could do something about, which points to the fact that we, uh, we tend to worry about a lot of things that are just unnecessary. And unfortunately, those things not only um, suck the joy out of life for us, <clears throat> they can also impede our relationship and our walk with God. Jesus tells a parable about this. He talks about how uh, he compares the Christian life to a uh, like seeds that are cast on the ground and given the opportunity to, to grow and to produce a harvest. But he says some of these seeds uh, fall among weeds and the weeds choke them out and they never really grow or are able to produce the harvest that they hope to grow. He says that these seeds that fall among the weeds and are choked out by the weeds are like those who receive the gospel, but they allow the cares and the worries of the world to drown that out, to, to choke out their faith and destroy their potential for producing a harvest. And this is what happens to us sometimes, isn't it? We are people who tend to worry. And and Jesus understands this tendency, this struggle that we have with worrying. Uh, We're in the midst of a series right now where we're looking at uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus lays out his vision for what our lives should look like as his followers. And as every instance we've talked about here, he once again is addressing an issue that we all struggle with when it comes to following him as a disciple. And that is the issue of worry, anxiety, and fear. And Jesus begins this part of his sermon on this subject by laying out three things, of why, three, three reasons, I guess, why we should not worry. And the first reason is that there are simply too many other more important things that really we need to worry about than the things we typically worry about. <clears throat> he, he starts off by saying, do not worry about your life. And then he names three uh, of the things that are absolutely essential to life. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. And why would Jesus tell us not to worry about these things? I mean, everybody needs clothes, I mean, to protect you from the elements and the mosquitoes down here, right? We, we all need clothes. Uh, everybody needs drink. They need, they need food to eat to sustain life. And we, we need these things. Why would Jesus tell us we shouldn't be worried about it? Well, Scripture is always best understood when you understand the context. And it's important to note what's going on when Jesus is teaching this sermon. He's speaking to a group of people around the Galilee area. Actually, he's in a hill right next to the Sea of Galilee, and he's speaking to these Galileans. And he knew that all of them out there he's talking to already have these basic needs. I mean, in that day and time, the Jewish um, farmers were required by law to leave part of their crops in the field unharvested so that the poor could come and glean uh, what they needed to eat. And so there was always enough food for everybody. Everybody had food. That wasn't an issue to worry about. And there was always plenty to drink. I mean, he's preaching this sermon right on the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of water to drink. And, and just as we have today, there were lots of people who were willing to donate their clothing or to provide clothing to people who didn't have clothing. And so clothing was not a real issue either. So when Jesus tells them not to worry about these things, what he's really saying is don't worry about having more of them. Don't worry about trying to increase your standard of living to a higher level by having more of this stuff. Um, Because all of this 
has already been provided for you. Your basic needs are already there. So Jesus says, therefore, don't worry about your life. Now, just a note, whenever you hear that word, therefore, in Jesus' teachings, you need to pay attention because that means he's, he's building on something that he's just said prior to this. And if you read the verses just prior to this in Matthew six nineteen, uh, a passage we studied last Sunday, uh, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he tells us to be careful with what we focus on with our eyes because that has a way of shaping who we are in our hearts. And then he goes on to verse 24 and he says, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or God and mammon. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you shall drink, or about your body or what you shall wear. So Jesus is saying, you don't need to worry about these things because they've already been provided for you. All the basic necessities that you need in life, God has provided for you, so you don't need to worry about that. He's pointing out here that we tend to spend too much of our time worrying about things that really don't matter in the end. There are far more important things that we need to be worrying about. So he goes on to say, you don't need to worry because God will provide for your needs. Now notice that he doesn't say God will provide for all your wants. He says God will provide for your needs. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how God actually does this. But we'll move on to what he says in the, the third thing that we need not to worry about. And that is the reason why we don't need to worry is because worry is futile. It's futile, he says. In verse 27, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? And we know that's true, don't we? We know this is true. Uh, worrying really doesn't help with much of anything. In fact, doctors tell us that it actually hinders the healing of our, our physical body. Uh, Dr. Charles Mayo, who was the founder at Mayo Clinic, he once wrote these words. He said, in, many, in my many years of medical practice, I have never known a man who died from overwork, but I have known many who died from doubt and worry. So worrying has a negative impact on the quality of our life. It has a negative impact on our faith and even on our physical well-being. For all of these reasons, this is why Jesus says we need not to worry. But then he goes on to say, just consider uh, some of the illustrations from nature as to how God takes care of your needs. Maybe that'll help you not to worry so much. And he gives us two illustrations. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds all of them. And then he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. And those are wonderful images of how God provides and takes care of all of creation. But how exactly does God provide for our needs? Theologians refer to this idea of God providing for our needs as the doctrine of God's providence or God's providential care. And just one moment, I'd like for us to reflect upon how that actually works, how God takes care of us and provides for our needs. Jesus says, consider the birds of the air. Well, you know, I like birds. I have a lot of birds around my house. Uh, we have bird feeders out, and I love to watch you know, the variety of birds that come and go throughout the year. And, and I also have several hanging baskets on the eaves of my house where birds love to build their nest in. 
and I get to watch them each spring. You know, the babies come out and stuff, and so it's really fun to, to do that. But what I have noticed about this is when they hatch out their from their eggs and their, their little chicks are in there, is that none of them just open their beaks expecting God to drop worms or insects into their mouth. That's not how God provides for them, right? God provides for them by creating a planet where there are worms and insects and all the things they need to exist. And then God uh, wires them in such a way that they know how to find food and where to find it. And that God creates them, creates them with the ability to, to know how to build nests and their habitat. And then God gives them all the natural resources to be able to do that. And then they have their young in the spring. When the rains come, so insects and uh, worms are easier to find. And, of course, they get, have parents that go get and bring things they need to them. But uh, isn't it interesting how creation is ordered and how things work? Well, you know, in the same way, God doesn't drop money into our billfolds. <laughs> God doesn't um, take care of us or do the things we ask supernaturally whenever we ask him to. Often when we pray, to God to help us with a situation, God says, listen, I have already given you the ability and all the resources you need to take care of this. Now the rest is up to you. God then guides us. He empowers us with his Holy Spirit to do his will and do the right things and to, to understand discernment. So God's way of providing for us is that he gives us everything that we need in this life. And then he gives us the strength and the ability and the discernment to be able to build upon that. That's part of God's providential care. Now, when it comes to the birds there, <clears throat> to think about that example, um, you know, birds don't have just a carefree life. <laughs> I mean, every time a storm blows up, I think about the birds. You know, we are able to get in the shelter of our homes and be safe, but the birds, they're out there in the middle of it. And gosh, it has to be frightening if you think about that. Uh, I think of the hummingbirds, you know, the grandma you are right now when the storms come up, like, where do they go? How do they hang on in all that wind and stuff? But uh, listen, God didn't promise them that there would never be any storms that they'd have to go through. Quite the contrary. You know, it's just part of life. And, of course, there are natural dangers that uh, birds have to face. Uh, we have a lot of cats in our neighborhood that are constantly on the prowl looking for uh, some careless bird that they can get a hold of, especially around bird feeders. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, God never promised uh, them that there would not be cats. The truth is the way that this world was designed, there are cats and there are birds and there are worms and there are storms and there are seasons. And, you know, it's all knit together in, or to a world in which God is at work. We experience storms and tragedies in our own lives. And here's the thing. I do not believe that God causes the storms and the tragedies that happen in our lives. But what I do believe and what Scripture teaches us is that God promises us that in the midst of this life where storms and good days and bad days happen, he promises always to be with us no matter what. He will never leave us alone. And somehow he can take even the most evil and terrible tragedy that happens in our life and he can bend that and he can bring about good and redeem it in such a way that good comes about. This, again, is part of God's providential care for us. I've had people say, and especially in this world today, I, you know, I hear you Christians talking about God love and he loves us and he takes care of us. You know, but when I read the evening news and I see these terrible things that are happening in our world, how can a God, how can you believe in a God who allows that kind of stuff to happen? Often they will use an argument such as, you know, what about all the people who are dying of starvation in our world? Over 30,000 people a day die of starvation and malnutrition in our world. And yeah, they're right. But here's the question I would ask them. 
do you believe that there's enough natural resources on this planet to feed all those people? And the answer, of course, is yes. Uh, Well, there is enough natural resources and food on this planet to feed all of those starving people and every human being that exists up here. Why then are people starving? Is that God's doing? Or does that have something more to say about our unwillingness to share what we have? You see, God is responsible for providing, providing all of the basic needs that we have for life. Our responsibility is the distribution of it. Now, this is how God works in our world. Part of God's providential care for us is that he calls us and he uses us to provide for the needs of one another. In other words, God uses us to meet the needs of each other. Whenever we feed the hungry, whenever we clothe the naked, whenever we visit the sick, whenever we give shelter to those who are homeless, God is using us to provide for the needs of one another. This is how God designed the world to work. Yet still, even knowing about God's providential care, we still worry a lot. (laughs) And the truth is, some of the things we worry about are actually good things. God instilled within us a self-preservation instinct. A fight or flight instinct that protects us from danger. And this is a good gift that God gives to us to, to, uh, to step back in times of danger. And so when you have that kind of worry and those kind of fears, those are good things. We thank God for that. Uh, sometimes when we experience fear and worry, it's God's way of telling us something needs to change in our lives. Uh, Some of you are experiencing some things that have you worrying and you're frightened of right now that I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like just the opposite of what you need to hear. But in a moment, we're going to talk about trusting in God and we're going to talk about uh, God's uh, care for us and how we can experience God's perfect peace. But for some of us, God is wanting you to be scared. God is wanting you to worry because God is saying to you that there's something in your life That needs to change. I mean, don't just turn it over to me and expect and pretend somehow that I'm going to make everything better for you. There's something that needs to change in your life. And this is really important. There may be some of us here today who are struggling with uh, financial problems. And, you know, we've got the bill collectors after us. And um, the Visa card is maxed out to the point we don't know how we're ever going to pay it off. And we're worried about that. It feels like it's choking us. We can't breathe because of it. And God is not saying that you're simply just to pray about this and turn it over to him and he's going to fix everything and make it all better. (laughs) What God is saying to you is that something needs to change. You need to change something in your life. I mean, God didn't create this mess that you're in. In this case, this kind of worry and this kind of fear is a way that motivates us to change. And that's a good thing, because it's only when we change that we can experience God's peace. There are a lot of ways that worry and stress and um, fear can motivate us to change the things that we need to change in life, to step away from the cliff of ruin. These kind of things we say, thank you, God, that you placed that within us to protect us. Truly, most of the things that we tend to worry about are just unnecessary Uh, They're not relevant, really. I mean, of course, we feel like they are, but in the big scheme of life, they're really not. And here's where I think Jesus offers us some words of advice. In verse 33, he says, if you will just focus on what is most important in life, 
all these things that you tend to worry and stress about, they'll find somehow their proper place. It'll all work out. It's amazing how this actually works. In verse 33, Jesus says, this is how God designed us to live. In fact, I want to invite you to say it with me, if you would. Let's say this together. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Maybe, maybe. Yep. <laughs> It'll get there. Strive first for the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all that you need will be given to you as well. <laughs> okay? Um, so what does this really mean? To strive first for God's kingdom and his righteousness so that all our needs will be given to us as well. Well, some people think this is referring to the future kingdom of God in heaven someday. We just need to strive for that. But remember how Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand? It is among you? And so another way of talking about the kingdom of God is to talk about it in terms of God's rule or God's reign over our life. So when we seek to make the kingdom of God our priority in life, that means we're seeking to to live under the rule, the, the, the reign of God in our life. It is to say that we want to pursue the rule of God every day. We make it our prayer. All that I am and all that I have, God, I, I give to you. I want to pursue your will with my life today. I want to honor you with my life. I, I recognize that I belong to you. You are my master, my savior, my God, and I want to follow you. It's to make that our priority. And Jesus says when you focus on that and make that the most important thing, that all these other things fall in place. So Jesus says strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And what does he mean by Righteousness. This word righteousness appears over 600 times in the Bible. So it's, it's a pretty big thing, an important thing that the Bible talks about. Sometimes it's translated as righteousness, sometimes as justice, sometimes as charity. But to seek God's righteousness means that you're going to seek to be the person God has created and called you to be. It means that we seek to be holy as God is holy. As Christians, it means that we're seeking to be more like Jesus every day of our lives. So I ask you the question this morning. Are you striving toward this? Are you striving toward this in your, in your business, in your personal life, within your relationships? Do you make it your prayer every day? Lord, help me to be more like Jesus in all that I do. This is God's desire for us. So Jesus is telling us, put the kingdom of God first. Make seeking his righteousness in your life the most important thing, because if you do that, all the other things that you're, you think are really important, all the other things that you worry and stress about and fear about every day, they will simply find their pl- proper place in your life. When you focus on God's will and pursuing God's will for your life, trusting in God, you can have that peace that Jesus talks about, the peace that passes all understanding and the joy unspeakable. That's what God longs for us. And then Jesus wraps this up by saying, giving us he talks about one of the primary causes of worry and its solution and there's lots of advice out there in the world about how to deal with uh, stress and worry and fear and i'll let you read up on all that i just want to talk to you about the one solution that jesus gives because i think it's the most important in verse 30 jesus identifies part of the reason that we tend to worry so much when he says if god so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven Will he not so much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Jesus seemed to be saying here that one of the reasons we tend to worry 
is because we don't have enough faith or we're not trusting in God enough. Now, I want to be real careful here because there's a lot of people out there and there's even a lot of pastors out there who say some terrible things on this subject. Um, some, someone gets sick and they say, well, you know, if you just had enough faith, you'd get well. Or if you just prayed more, better, uh, then God would answer your prayers if you just had enough faith. Uh, someone told me that after years of trying to have a child, they were told, you know, if you just had more faith, that's ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean, God doesn't withhold his blessings upon our lives until we conjure up enough faith. That's not how God works at all. It's sometimes our lack of trusting in God causes us to experience undue worry and stress in life. Five times in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, O ye of little faith. One of those times is in one of my favorite um, gospel stories about Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus tells his disciples, you need to go out on this boat across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum on the other side, and, and I'll meet you there later. And they're out on this boat on the Sea of Galilee. It's in the middle of the night, and Jesus comes across the water, walking on the water to them. And I can't imagine what that was like, but as most of us would be, we'd be they were scared to death. They thought it was a ghost. I mean, that's what I would think, too, in the middle of the night. You don't expect that. And so they're afraid. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. You remember how Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then invite me to come on the water with you. And Jesus said, hey, it's me, Peter. Come on. And then you get this picture. Peter steps out of the boat, and he's walking on the water with Jesus. I mean, how cool is that? But you remember what happens next? The waves start to blow up. And um, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he starts focusing on the waves around him. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he starts focusing on the waves, what happens? He begins to sink. He calls out for help, and Jesus comes over and pulls him up, and he says, Oh, Peter, you have little faith. I think most of us see ourselves in that story because we too tend to take our eyes off of the Master and we focus on the problems and the waves of life. And whenever we take our eyes off of the Master and we begin to focus on the problems and the waves of life and the storms, every time we always find ourselves feeling choked with worry, fear, and stress. So part of the solution that Jesus is trying to tell us is we simply have to trust in God. No matter what we're going through, you have to trust in God. You can live with the assurance and the faith that you serve a God who loves you, who has promised never to leave you alone. It's not that he's going to fix everything, but you will never be alone. You will always have the resource of his spirit and his presence, and so we trust in him. This is what enabled the Apostle Paul to write that powerful letter to the Philippians by which he was, writing in a, he was writing it in a prison cell. And he says these words, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. King David, he's uh, being chased by his son Absalom, and he's in a cave fearing for his life. He's scared to death. You know what David does when he gets scared? He writes songs and poems to God. This is what he writes in Psalm 3. He says, O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. You hear his fear. But then he concludes by saying, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. 
Often when I'm anxious and afraid, I quote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And whenever I get through quoting that Psalm, I always feel like I can breathe again. And whatever I've been worrying about, when I remember how I belong to him and I realize that I'm his and he loves me and he's promised to take care of me and that somehow he is working this out in a way that I can't even see right now. When I trust in that, I find that I can breathe again and I experience God's peace. This is what happens when we trust in God. This is the Christian response to worry and fear and anxiety to trust in God. It's not the only response. I mean, sometimes it requires therapy for us. Sometimes it requires medical doctors and medicine. Sometimes it just simply requires friends who come alongside of us and help us do that. But what we have as Christians to offer those who are going through fear, worry, and stress is the capacity to trust in God. Whenever I... I encounter people who are going through life-threatening times, whether it's in the hospital, the death of a loved one, or whatever that is. It's always such a beautiful thing to watch. As friends come alongside of the spouse or the family, and the people going through that, and many of you in the church have done this. And You come into that setting, and you offer a hug, and you offer words of encouragement and embrace. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And I think that's my hope for us, that we would be people who so trust in God, that when we face those storms that we encounter in life, we would sense God's embrace. We would know that God is there. He will never forsake us. He's always there. He loves us. And by that, we might come to know God's perfect peace. This is my hope and prayer for us all. Let's pray together. Most gracious and loving God, as we reflect upon our struggle in life, God, there are people here this morning who are facing terrible tragedies and stress and challenges that have them afraid, issues they're confronting they have no answers for, and we worry, God, about things that seem to be out of our control. Life can be hard. May we hear your word this day, O Lord, that you love us. You promise to walk alongside of us. You're always just as close to the air that we breathe. May we take comfort in that love, God, that assurance. May we seek as we go from this place in the world we live in that is so broken and and dark and there's just so many tragedies that are happening and divisiveness and ugliness. May we seek to be your hope your ray of light in the darkness by helping others to trust in you, pointing the way by trusting in you ourselves. God, we want to experience your peace.